Welcome back in Brady Farkas show here on this Thursday, WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Let's go out to the phone line once again and bring on our friend Buster Olney with us every single Thursday at this time, ESPN MLB Insider. Buster, how are you? I'm doing great. Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas to you. Is all your shopping done at this point? Are you a Christmas Eve shopper? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, this year I kick butt. You know, next year I'll probably be in a scramble because <laughs> I'm getting soft and but this year I actually uh, worked way ahead of the game. I don't know if the people in your life are big baseball fans, but you do have an advantage in that you're in a different city every Sunday night over the course of a season. Are you picking things up at stadiums for people? Are you getting shopping done along the way during the baseball season? So this is 100% true. No one in my family cares a whit about baseball. I think I told you before that only one of them owns a television between my stepdad and my (laughs) three siblings. Uh, they don't watch any Sunday night baseball. Yeah, but during the year you get along. You know, you'd be going along. You'd be going through an airport. And you see something and you get inspiration and you you tuck it away and you just hope mm. that you remember it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course, you know, because you put it in the back of the closet someplace and you hope that you remember it when you're actually doing it. Well, I'm glad you are ahead of the game. I am uh, 85% done here, so I'm I'm doing well for nice. my, I'm doing well for myself as well. You know, yesterday we had Tom Karen on from Nesson. We asked him about your tweet that you had yesterday about the Red Sox, you and Peter Gammons both, and you were talking about the full throttle comment that came from Red Sox ownership at the Craig Breslow press conference. Seems like you think that those comments have kind of put Breslow in an unfair position. Yeah, and I, you know, just mentioned that he he's kind of in the same position to some degree where he's, um, you know, back on his heels as he starts this job uh, as, as Hein Bloom was. Now, as you remember, Hein Bloom, you know, was essentially under orders as he takes over the Red Sox to trade Mookie Betts because ownership didn't want to pay him. Uh, and then, you know, it felt like Hein was swimming upstream against that trade all the way to the end of his time with the Red Sox. And you remember the, you know, the Fan Fest event in Springfield last year when they got fans booing him. Yeah. And he's again trying to explain why they traded Mookie Betts. And now, you know, because Tom Werner, uh, you know, was, was trying to, to get everybody jazzed and juiced and fired up, uh, you know, he talked about them going full throttle. And, you know, to some degree, it, it's, I, you know, I don't even know if we know yet if the Red Sox are actually going full throttle. But what I don't think that Tom's, you know, comment reflected was the reality that you and I have talked about and that right now the Red Sox are not considered to be a destination, a, a, you know, a, someplace that a high-end free agents want to go. Uh, you know, and that's something that they're going to have to overcome. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe as we go along here, as the bidding plays out, maybe they're the team left standing for George Montgomery. Uh, you know, maybe they're the team left standing and they get a Blake Snell, the guys want to signing awards and that's all speculation on my part but they almost ownership at this point uh he's almost obligated to go in and overpay for somebody because of the comments that were made by tom warner i think it would have been smarter if he said look we're really excited about the future we're fired up you know uh you know craig and the ownership are going to be constant communications and it's an exciting winter of free agents without committing and, and indicating that they're going all in with money uh, without knowing whether or not you can actually sign some of these guys. I think the Red Sox have tried, but I think right now they're not a place where primary free agents want to go. Pete Abraham of the Boston Globe wrote that they have settled into the MLB's second class. Do you see them that way? 
Uh, I do at the moment, and I think it can change. And you and I have seen many times where, especially big market teams, that can go in cycles, you know, where in the mid-90s, and I just, uh, you know, before I uh, got on the phone with you, I was talking with Roger Clemens, and he was talking about, you know, the great uh, players and the team that they built with the Yankees in the late 90s. Well, you know, within a decade, the Yankees were a place that people didn't want to go. And so it can go in cycles. A decade ago, you know, the Red Sox, you know, 2013 team, which was really helped along by a free agent, uh, you know, and they won a World Series that year. People loved that team. People, you know, uh, gravitated toward the Red Sox at that time. It is, uh, you and I have termed the, the phrase, the Mookie Betts tax. Yep. That is the price that they paid by deciding not to pay Mookie. It still continues to be an issue for them. Buster only with us from ESPN, our ESPN MLB insider here on the Brady Farkas show on this Thursday on DEV. You know, Buster, some of the peripheral moves the Red Sox have made so far look, you know, fairly good. A couple of intriguing coaching hires, Andrew Bailey, a couple of guys behind the scenes, you know, some intriguing bullpen arms. So on the periphery, they've done well. If they landed Jordan Montgomery and Lucas Giolito, I think that would be a pretty productive offseason for them. But if they don't get Yamamoto, it's going to seem like everything else is a consolation prize, and it goes back to those yep. full-throttle comments that Tom Werner made yep. that a good offseason can be undone by these comments. A hundred percent. And so you're setting up yourself in some ways for failure while competing in the most competitive division in baseball. Uh, and you know that the Yankees have already added a future Hall of Famer, Juan Soto, you know the Orioles are going to promote, you know, potentially a future Hall of Famer in Jackson Holiday next year to an already great group of young players. The Tampa Bay Rays are always competitive. And, and so to build expectations like that, uh, and, you know, that's what that full throttle phrase has been interpreted by by fans, that you're going to spend on big guys. The fact is they probably never had a shot to get any of those elite guys. Mm. I think Peter's right. You know, they are focused on the second tier right now because that's the tier that they have access to. And if they win the next couple of years, maybe that changes. Maybe the Red Sox do become, you know, a destination for some of these guys. But right now, the fact is they're not. What do we know about the Yamamoto bidding process right now? Because it's been very, very interesting, right? Last weekend, we saw Red Sox had offered him at least $300 million and were willing to go further. Then your colleague, Jeff Passan, said, eh, that's actually not true. Don't believe everything you hear. What do we know now on this Thursday kind of about where the process is at for Yamamoto? Well, and I'd say this. I mean, I, you know, I always get a little bit leery about trying to, to put, you know, to, uh, to, to say exactly whether – some player has an offer or a concept. Yeah, yeah. Fair. <laughs> sometimes agents will say, and teams will say, uh, "Hey, so we would like a. What do you think about the idea of three hundred fifty million dollars? Which isn't technically an offer, but it's sometimes how the teams communicate without committing themselves. So I don't know exactly, you know, what the Red Sox have out there. What I have heard is that the negotiations are gathering momentum. And uh, they, they do expect, you know, folks I've talked to, that there will be a decision sometime before Christmas about where he wants to go. I can tell you that the, the Dodgers, I have heard that the Yankees internally are confident about where they, are, they stand with uh, Yamamoto and that they feel like they're going to, you know, be giving themselves a legit chance to get him. We know that the Mets are all in on this pursuit. 
You know, Steve Cohen now has met with uh, with him uh, twice personally. You're talking about, you know, the richest owner in baseball. You're talking about the second richest franchise in baseball. Uh, in, excuse me, in all of professional sports in the Yankees. So, you know, we'll see. And, of course, the Dodgers now have Otani to offer. Uh, and I've, what I've heard about Yamamoto is that he's a guy who wants to be the best. He wants to excel. Uh, he's got a competitive streak, which I think we could have assumed that because he's five foot ten and completely dominating. And you know those parameters remind you of Pedro Martinez. Yeah. you remember how competitive he was. You mentioned talking to Roger Clemens before you got on the phone with us. Uh, has he? What, what does he think of Yamamoto? Have, does he have any opinions that uh, he shared with you? He does. He's seen video, uh, and he's had experience. He can remember going over and speaking to a group of Japanese pitchers about his split-finger fastball, which is, you know, what uh, Yamamoto is his best pitch. And he talked about how, you know, there's an adjustment for the pitchers coming there because the baseball is different in size. Uh, he talked about that in that group of, of pitchers that he spoke to at that time was uh, Masahiro Tanaka, and that worked out pretty well for him. Yes. Uh, you know, Tanaka coming over here and throwing his split. He actually thinks that he said that the movement on uh, Yamamoto's splitter reminds him of his own, that uh, it goes straight down when he's pitching to right-handed hitters. And, you know, he gave me some technical uh, descriptions for why that is. But Roger is really impressed. And he talked about how, uh, you know, the fact that Yamamoto's stuff generally speaking, plays north and south. He said, hey, with the current strike zone, that's important because if you go east and west, that's not something that the umpires give now the way they used to when Roger pitched. Buster, I'll get you out of here on this. Um, and, and I feel like maybe I have a handle on this, but I want your expert opinion on this. Do you think that we're, we're going to see more trades over the course of the offseason, because it seems like teams, with all the budgetary concerns that teams have and money de- or TV deals, et cetera, teams are more interested in trading prospects now away for younger players than they were five years ago, right? I felt like we were everybody was spending money and signing guys. Then everybody was hoarding prospects that no one wanted to trade. Now I feel like we're back to wanting to trade again. Do you see? Is it go, is it following the pattern? I think it is. I think that there are going to be trades, uh, but part of the reason why you know we haven't seen as many early on is because the asking prices are so high. What I'm hearing from general managers is over time, those prices are going to have to come down because teams, and I'm just pulling Cleveland you know, out of the air. They've got you know Shane Bieber, former Cy Young Award winner, getting closer to his free agency, coming off a year in which he was hurt. According to other teams, the asking price is really high. Uh, as the winner goes along, if Cleveland's going to trade him, that asking price probably has to come down. And you mentioned about teams being willing to trade prospects. I think that you know that they're willing at this point to trade like their sixth best prospect, seventh best prospect, mm-hmm. tenth best prospect, some combination of that. More and more, you hear about teams telling you know uh, potential trade partners, "Look, we'll give you a, a decent package of prospects, but you can't have our number one guy." can't have our number two guy. I think teams are much more protective of those guys, the high-end prospects, uh, than they were when I first started covering baseball. That's for sure. Buster Olney, ESPN MLB insider. Buster, much appreciated. I hope you have a great Christmas holiday. Uh, Hope Santa is good to you, and uh, we appreciate your time as always, and we'll catch up with you again next week. Thank you. Thanks, Brady.